Hey, today we are talking about, well, a little bit about bitterness. I don't know that I say it that much, but the bitterness that comes with dream death. And I wanted to readdress this because I'm reading a book on it right now. And I think it's super important, you know, that moment tax on a lot of weight in a person's life. It really does. And the way that it looms over you, sometimes unknowingly, is really scary and really draining. And so we're talking through like going back and recognizing that death of a dream moment, the moment that you sort of let go and settled and, you know, really talking through what and how we recover from that. Okay, let's go. This is the Death of a Dream podcast with your host, Hannah Ness. Uh, The Death of a Dream really is my expression from the start of a very sad and low and unaligned place in life where I was struggling with so many living beliefs, so many people telling me that I couldn't just go live my dream life. And it really walks every day through what it looks like to transition out of a life that's just fine and into a life that I wanted to live. And so this is just the daily journal of what that looked like for me. You can take whatever you need from here. Um, I talk through different things that I read, different things that helped me through, different moments and different blocks that I had to break down to get to this better place. And alignment for me looks like being a serial entrepreneur and um, being able to write and speak and talk through what life looks like for me and how other people are pursuing their dreams. So the death of a dream really is just a journey out of that place and into a new and true place. Glad you're here. Hey, welcome. Looking great. As always, you know this. Uh, Today, let's go ahead and ground ourselves in our greatness right away. Just right from the start. Why would we even wait? My great thing from the weekend was riding my bike. Those of you who went on the bike journey with us last summer in the quest to find the perfect bike. Um, (laughs) Went on my first long bike ride of the season and it was not without some mishap. Uh, the bike, good, good. The bike's doing good. The problem, the length of the, the length of bike ride that we went on, which held my children back from being able to ride their own bikes, which then put a bike trailer on the back of my bike, which made a 12 mile bike ride extremely long. And yeah, I mean, I would say my kids are probably about 80 pounds. So it was like me with just dead weight pulling 
behind me for that far. And what I love about bike riding is like the bike just keeps going. You could just be sitting there at a leisurely pace, which is my ideal state on a bike. I do not have a mountain bike. I do not have a like trail bike. I have straight cruiser. And I can tell you the second that those kids were out of that bike trailer and I was just like riding up and down main street with my basket, this, I realized that this is the ideal state of my bike, that this is what I envisioned. I did not envision this being a workout bike. It was just supposed to be chill. Like we're hanging out. We're going on a bike ride. We're going to go cruise, you know, some little shops and maybe place some stuff in our basket, maybe a baguette or something fancy, maybe some flowers. I don't know what we're picking up at the farmer's market, but that's, that's really the vision, right? And that vision got real complicated real quick with 80 pounds of dead weight pulling from behind said bike. And I'm never going to shame my bike for what it is, but it is maybe not for that kind of adventure. Although we survived, I think it would have been nice to just have had one child. I think that would have made it a little bit easier, but basically when my bike was going forward, if I wanted to sit down on my bike and pedal, the bike stopped moving. There was, there was no way for that to even possibly happen. I changed gears. I did all the things. It just, it was not, it was not possible. I had to stand and bike ride the way that you do when you go up hills. I had to stand and propel my bike forward for 12 miles, actually 13. There was no sitting whatsoever which is not at all my ideal state. And so you should all know that, that this, my vision of bike rides is just cruise. We have a basket, people. We deserve wildflowers and baguettes in our basket. We do not deserve sanding the entire time. Okay, but you know what? Made it. I would say the first two miles, I was like, hmm. This, this was not a good idea, but it was in fact your idea. So you gotta go now. Too bad. Too bad. You have no choice. And then after I got past that two miles, I think everything kind of went numb. I only can confirm this because of the bruising that was left on my leg where I was apparently hitting some sort of wrench piece on my bike over and over and over for six miles. <laughs> and while I don't remember that story being written, my leg most certainly does. So regardless, we made it. It was not enjoyable to do with a cruiser, although my cruiser is a little bit of a hybrid because it does have gears. So I was thankful for that. Um, they didn't help me out all that much, but it, it was a climb. It's the climb. It's the climb. Damn, that was me. Yeah, it was a, it was a climb people. Um, 
So that's my great thing. Go ahead and recognize yourself for your great thing. This alone will change a lot of things. Your brain is asking for this. And a lot of times we're just pointing out the terrible things. And while most of that bike ride, the story that I told you seems terrible at the end of the day, like it was amazing. It was fun. It was pumping my blood a lot more than I expected. I'm sure that my glutes got a nice firm kick awakening. Like, hello, glutes. Yes, you exist. Good morning to you. Welcome. Um, And most of all parts of my legs enjoyed it. So find the good. There's great things in there. There really are. And just riding my bike was super fun. Nothing else. No phones. No nothing. Just bike, nature, sister, and children. Is there a better life to live? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So recognize yourself for your great thing. Just do it. Okay. I'm not saying it again. No, I'll continue saying it. Just do it. Um, So today I wanted to kind of rehash how this podcast even started. For any of you who are new and just to sort of reframe for everyone what that moment maybe looks and feels like and how we recover from anything similar to that, to what I experienced. So about three years ago, I turned 30 and I have expected like a, you know, life, midlife crisis moment at 40 or 50 or maybe didn't even expect one at all because, you know, I don't know. I don't, have any aspirations to go buy a Corvette or anything. Maybe that's just a guy thing. Maybe girls don't have those. So, okay. But I had one anyways. And I don't think that it was necessarily because of my age. Although I will go ahead and give a good shout out to any 30 year old out there or anyone who's approaching that age I think it deserves a little bit more love for the kind of intensity of life that it brings. It's it's more intense than I think we give it credit for. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, everything's speeding up now. So maybe your midlife crisis even gets to speed up. Maybe we get one now at 30 because of how young we start life these days, right? Because of how young we start adulting, not good, but these days, how fast we had to grow up. And (laughs) so for me, that sort of met at this intersection of reaching every goal that I had and then some. Like I had even reached the goals by the time that I was about 26. And then for four years, I just went ahead and made those goals a lot harder. And then I had met all of those goals by the time that I was 30, even the hard, the hard ones, the like level up ones. And that moment I really wanted to go back and figure out where where I got lost. 
because I had started and stopped like a million things along the way of like, okay, I kind of, I think I want to be a business owner. I think I want to do this. I, and, and I had started and stopped a ton of things at that point. And I realized that it wasn't because I wasn't capable, like out of everyone that I knew I was more capable. There was just something about not being able to be consistent in that thing. And that was a problem for me because consistency really was the only good thing about me at that point. Like at that point, I, the only thing I knew was how to work hard consistently. And that led me into being a college athlete, led me into actually playing in college. And it wasn't because I was more talented. It was because I was always passionate and I was always showing up, period. Those things I could do every time. And so it sort of scared me when I wasn't willing to do those things for these sort of side endeavors that I was excited about. And I was lost because I'm like, why isn't she showing up here? And I couldn't really see clear sight lines to why I wasn't bringing that person here when it was necessary, right? And so I decided instead of starting another thing, (laughs) willy-nilly, that I had to get back to what I knew to be true to me and start to work consistently through something I might be passionate about. Because what I began to realize as I started to explore that was that it really all had to do with this sort of letdown of life that happened right around the age of 18, almost 19, when I realized that the dream that I had for my life was not going to happen. And I hadn't really gone back to that moment until I started this journey. I had sort of just been super bitter and sad and angry and spiteful about it. And this is a good way to test if you're spiteful or angry about a dream that didn't happen for you. Think of someone getting everything that you had dreamt of. What's your first reaction? Yeah, probably like, oh yeah, here were all of mine. Oh yeah, of course they could be a division one athlete. Their parents had money. Oh yeah, of course they got a full ride scholarship. They were on all the right teams because they were on in the right town to begin with. Of course, of course, of course. And that list could go on forever. And those are the bitter files, right? Sometimes the anger files, the things that we do to defend ourselves from fully feeling the disappointment that we have in ourselves, maybe in what happened, maybe. But I think most importantly, tracing that back, tracing that death of a dream back, usually it's completely out of your control. And so I would start the podcast a little bit after I came back from a conference where I first admitted that everything that was holding me back really stemmed from this death of a dream moment, this moment where I sort of settled for B and and willingly set those goals. Like I've always been a goal setter and 
those goals were B, C, but that's all that I gave myself permission to experience in that moment. I'm like, you know, if A was supposed to happen, it would have. This is how it would have all played out. This is what would have happened. It must not be meant for you. Less. Do less. Be less. Even though you can see and you've always felt bigness coursing through your veins and you can see that vision of what that looks like and what you're doing, even though you can see all of that, that would have been for someone who did what you set out to do. You failed. Give in. Give up. It's okay. And so I set this super safe path for me, realizing that I wasn't worthy of still chasing those things, even though it looked different now. And (laughs) then we just set sail into C, on C path, on D path, on B, Z sometimes path. And (laughs) it wasn't even actually all that bad. It was good. We were still accomplishing goals. We were still, we still had goals. And then right at 30, I begin to realize that I have nothing left. And so my husband and I, both of us being these big dreamers, big goal setters, um, both of us being college athletes, sat down at the table and we're like, okay, 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 okay. Let's just get our money right. And then we'll get it right enough that we can retire when our kids go to college and we'll just follow them around at all of their sporting events. Wherever they go play sports or dance or whatever they go do, we'll just follow them in an RV or something. Let's, I think that's what we got to do here. Let's just work it out for another 20 years and save, save hang out. And that was sort of the plan to stay right on this path. And then I came back and sat with that plan and realized that that was never going to be enough. And while that may be someone's perfect path and it may be a beautiful plan for someone else, that was not a plan for me. And it was not a plan for my husband either. You know, I think both of us fully realized that a little piece of us wanted our dreams to, we wanted to be able to live our dreams through our kids now because we never got to. And that wasn't really fair to them. And it wasn't fair to us. And it really wasn't fair to us to stay as bitter and angry as we were at the fact that we never got our dreams, per se. That we had to settle for this bee life. And even though it was like a really great bee life, when your life doesn't fit, it just doesn't fit. There's nothing, you know, like you don't have to survive some trauma to admit that. And I think that was the hardest part for me was admitting that I was not happy. Like I was happy, surface level happy. It was good. There was like a constant pace of life and it was, it was good, but it wasn't great. And it didn't like, 
inspire me to wake up every day. And I know that that's hard and that's like a lot to ask for from life, but that's that's what I wanted in life. That's what I kind of expected in life. That's what I got to experience as an athlete. And I think the problem is once you've seen yourself working in the full extent, experiencing your passion firsthand, feeling what it feels like to be in that flow, to like get lost in it. If you got to experience that at all, nothing really compares to that. Everything that you add on to that is a bonus, but if you don't get to feel that again, you have this gaping hole. And I'm certain that that's what it was for me. I I was so passionate and excited and, and team-driven and like loved expressing myself through athletics. And when that came off the table, there was nothing that excited me like that in my life. And... The life that I had built was amazing and still is. And there were so many pieces that, like, kept me held together when everything else was sort of falling apart through this experience. Which would have been literally just my family and some friends. Some not so helpful, but my family, yes, and some of my friends. And I... I didn't know how to come back from that admittance. Like, okay, you're disappointed with a life that really everyone else would be grateful for. So you're not happy every day when you wake up. So what? Give up. Give up. Nobody is. Boo. Boo hoo. Look at all you should be happy for. And like, that's the problem, right? You're asking me to be grateful for something and I'm trying and I'm grateful for so many things, but I don't, I'm still mad that I didn't get to play it out the way that I thought I was supposed to. And letting go of that anger and resentment was probably the hardest because there were so many things that happened that led to that, that held me back from that. And it was so hard to process and really think through. And that was probably a majority of the first year. And I was definitely still angry (laughs) on this podcast. I mean, I have three months of anger files and I will tell you that the anger was extremely toned down by the time that I got on this podcast, by the time I started publishing this podcast. So can you imagine? Because even that first year was extremely angry. And it was just this bitterness that I felt for not getting to do that thing. Even though I was still convinced that that was the thing for me, that that was it. And I'm stubborn enough to have 
still decided that I was going to go do that thing regardless of what anyone told me. And so I had this dream that I had sort of set for myself at seventh grade. And one of those dreams was to be a division one athlete. And that wasn't going to happen. But also in seventh grade, one of those dreams was to be a state champion in a high school sport. I know, right? Like, wow, what big aspirations Hannah has. And I wasn't really willing to say that that's what I was going after, but I, that's what I wanted. And so being as I'm very stubborn, I went ahead and went after that and also accomplished that. I had to do it a different way, but that's sort of the point here. The things that you had to accomplish that dream, to even dream that dream, whatever it was early on before it died, you still have the tools and the strengths that you need to make that happen. And while some of those things have died, have gone away, the chance to get that is gone, <laughs> you, you still deserve to appreciate everything that you got from that chapter, even if the book didn't close the way you expected it to. And so, like, part of my process was thanking that chapter for all the things that it built in me, that it gave me, all of the chances that it gave me, Right, Because somehow, in some weird shape of always coaching and staying in volleyball, somehow I got this chance to do all of these amazing things. And then I could just decide later that I had sort of served my purpose here. We were good. This, this chapter had come to a close and I forced that chapter back open. Right, And I said, we're not done here. We still have a dream that we could live out. So here we go. We're going to make that happen. And now, now I realize all of that had to happen, right? In order for all of this to happen. But at the end of the day, no matter where your dream died, you can't just act like it didn't happen. That's where that bitterness and anger hangs over you like a cloud. And that's how I like to think of my death of a dream. Before I was addressing it and calling it that, it sort of just loomed over everything. Like I'd just be listening in conversations about someone being excited because so-and-so was going to get so-and-so. And then I'd just swoop in with my bitterness and I'd be like, I'm going to knock you off of that high horse because I will tell you about getting a division one scholarship. And let me tell you about how necessary it is to be on the right teams and how much money you have to have to support something like that and how silly that is. Right. And I would go for the throat. Like, don't bring those same dreams up in here towards me. No. Right. And it'd be the same with, like, if someone was traveling and Jordan and I have always both wanted to travel a lot. Like, that was something that we we said early on. We want to travel and explore and get out and do things. And <laughs> when people would do that, 
And I was still stuck and hung up in this like scarcity model of life in this death of a dream moment where it was like, you didn't get what that version was supposed to be. And so now you just sit back and be angry. When people would travel, I'd be like, oh yeah, it must be nice because they have all that money and all that PTO and privilege and all the things, right? And so imagine yourself and the things that you go real hard at for bitterness, right? The things that you dive deep and go for the jugular, those are the dreams that you've moved into scarcity mindset, right? Those are the things that you don't see as possible for yourself. So whether that dream is related to money, whether that dream is related to travel and freedom, follow the anger. That's a good place to start. But then trace that dream back, right? And if it's not possible, go ahead and love it for what it was and forgive yourself or forgive whatever it was that held you back from that. But you have to go back there or it is always looming. Um, It's like if you've seen Raya, which is the new Disney movie, which I highly suggest you watching, but it's like the drone who comes back every time that they awaken these spirits. And it's sort of this mystical thing that just comes in and like, I don't know, it just does bad stuff. I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but it's just there. It's looming. And you think that it's not impacting you because, right, you've forgotten it and it only comes up once in a while and it only comes up when it comes up in conversation. It's no big deal, but it is wearing on you. It's hurting your soul. You got to go back there at some point. What did you release? Right? What did you not give yourself permission to explore and why? And I'll tell you, that's going to come with a lot of emotion, like saying it out loud, confirming it, writing it down, whatever that outlet is for you. Experiencing that is, is rough, right? Because it's inevitably you saying that you, you gave up, you gave in, and in order to admit that, you'd have to be in a place where you're accountable for everything that happened and letting letting it go, right? Letting what happened go, releasing it, letting it be whatever it's going to be, but like addressing it. Hey, I didn't get to that goal and sometimes life sucks. Right? Sometimes we're put into situations that weren't ever in our control, that really weren't possible for us, and they weren't supposed to be sometimes, because sometimes that's where the bigger lesson comes in. And I know definitely for me, that's where the bigger lesson, that's where the bigger learning came in, came in full circle. Like, oh, you always wanted to be this person. There really was no reason why you couldn't have been you let go. No one else did. You did. And you gave yourself a million reasons why that couldn't be for you. But mentally, you gave in. That was it. Nobody gave up on you but you. And nobody's going to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself first. And so 
that's really where my recovery came in. And now if you think about it, now that's what I teach. That's what I teach in my athletes. That's what I teach in my podcast. The, the mental strength that it takes to live your truth, live your dreams, chase your dreams, not sit in a life where your dreams forever go unfulfilled. That's, that's what I love teaching people. The power of your mind, your mind will stop long before your body ever does. It'll keep moving. And, you know, today I just look back, where did it die? And you can't, you can't really progress forward unless you're willing to go back to that moment, whatever it was, whether you wanted to be an actress or a mom or a movie star, like whatever, a model, I don't know. But whatever that was, whatever told you that, that's probably still looming somewhere. We got to address it. Have to. You're smart, you're strong, you're beautiful. What are you going to do? Change the world. Hey, thanks for listening. As always, you can find me on all socials at The Death of a Dream. That's on Instagram. We do have a Facebook page that you can follow there. And then Hannah Ness on LinkedIn. Go ahead and check out the website if you feel like it. There are additional pieces that are not included in the podcast, um, and you can reach out and contact me anywhere. If you have any questions, message me. Let's connect. I'd love to talk through your story because everyone's story is worth being told and has worth in it.